listening to the Perfect Man Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Kirk, Sparky, canine connoisseur, and mental health advocate. Hello, friends and strangers. Today, I invite Sam Dapper on the podcast, firefighter, Olympic lifter, and CrossFit athlete. What's happening, mate? <laughs> Not a lot, mate. Just on my days off. Happy to be here. Awesome. No, nah, thanks for coming in, man. Oh, it's close to Christmas. He's a fair bit of shit going on for everyone. Yeah. Tell you what, I'm feeling a bit nervous. I feel like I'm in a panel interview again. <laughs> Sitting down, trying to sit all prim and Look, proper. Look, I'm going to ask you a words. very, very important question. Is it true that chicks dig firefighters? Oh. I mean, I won't, <laughs> like, we can't say no. I think if you ask any female, they're going to like a fiery, but um, yeah, I won't touch on too much about that one. The missus might be listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I see, see Sam just uh, double checked his shoulders there. <laughs> no, nah, all good, man. Uh, <laughs> enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll start by how old you are and what do you do for work and what do you do for fun? Yeah, so I'm 27 years old, born 95. Um, I'm a career firefighter and then I do a bit of work on the side as a rescue technician. Uh, that's usually with a company called SDS, so like a private mob. Um, and then a bit of tree lopping here and there, but not really tree lopping. I just grab the branches and chuck them in the chipper, a bit of cash work, which is good. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all I do. And then the usual hobbies on the side. So yeah, as yeah. far as work goes, that's it. Yeah. And, and what do you do for fun? Uh, so I'm obviously quite into my CrossFit at the moment Been doing that just over 12 months. Um, quite into the Olympic lifting side of things as well. Uh, however, that's, um, I do what I can in between each injury that I seem to get. Uh, other than that, I never really played much sport, so I don't really have any sport hobbies on the side. CrossFit's probably like the only thing that I've tackled and given a fair crack at because growing up I only really played rugby. I wasn't interested in that too much. Okay. didn't play anything else, so I guess it's a bit of catch-up time for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, nice. What did, it, uh, what did your childhood and upbringing look like through schooling? Ooh. All right, so my childhood, um, I guess... Up to the age of 10, it was pretty pretty textbook, I guess. So I got three older brothers, mum and dad. Uh, we moved over here from South Auckland in 98. Moved to just next to Kent Street in Rockingham. Yeah. Uh, we pretty much played rugby, uh, all of us, all four boys. Uh, it was a pretty textbook family, I guess. Real happy, loving, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, around 2005, mum and dad split. I wasn't really wasn't really a nice split. I guess it was pretty uh, pretty bad. I mean, as a an, an adult now, and some of the troubles I've been through, and kind of looking back to things that have affected me later in life, which a big one is my parents splitting. And I guess when we touch on mental health, you know, a lot of that kind of stems from that. Uh, so yeah, around 2005, 10 years old, my dad split, pretty bad. Uh, I'll touch on it a little bit, I guess. So. Pretty much mum left dad for someone uh, significantly younger than my old man, someone that my old man coached in the rugby team. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, you kind of listen to it now and it sounds like, I guess it can look pretty bad, but uh, you can imagine what they'll do to a family, mm. uh, you know, especially my dad, uh, such a loving, respectful sort of man. Um, pretty much broke him, you know, still broken to this day, I guess, uh, as much as he won't admit it. Mm. Um but, you know, people aren't happy in relationships and sometimes, you know, they do things that they 
we've got to do for themselves. However, you know the the collateral that collateral damage that has on other people, i.e., like myself, like yeah. two of my brothers, and um, yeah. So I guess from that point on, it was yeah, a bit rougher a few years. Mm. Um, I think thinking about you know yourself and your brothers, how did you guys deal with that? Yeah, so um, my oldest brother was about 18 at the time, so he was, you know, kind of coming out of his teens and becoming an, an adult. So for him, you know, I've never really actually had that conversation with him. Okay. But, you know, from what I've seen, you know, he took it quite well. He doesn't really let much get to him. He's pretty mm. pretty resilient with that sort of stuff. Um, the middle two probably got affected the most, so they were – Teenagers at the time, so around 14, 15. And as you know, around that age, you know, um, that's like the time you need a lot of guidance and you, know, you, you do need that figure there. So they yeah. obviously lost that. While mum and dad pretty much split and went their own ways, dad you know, found a bit of drinking and partying and okay. mum obviously found a new partner. Mm. And I think, you know, there's a bit of resentment there from the old girl. Um, yeah. But, you know. Must have been hard as, uh, you know, as – guys to to figure out who to go to as well everything's yeah that's right and that was a big one for me so being so young you know i was 10 years old so like for me i didn't really it's and it's old enough to know what's going yeah, on that's too. right like you can see how bad it is but you you know you can't fully comprehend what what damage that's actually doing so for me it was just about you know i'm in school Oh, where do I stay? Do I stay at mum's? Do I stay mm. at dad's? And where did you want to stay at that time? So I chose my mum's because, like I say, my dad was drinking a lot, and you know, like I at school, like I needed needed food. I needed like now I didn't really know how to work a washing machine at the age of ten, so things yeah. like that. You know, having dirty clothes, dirty bedding, all that sort of stuff. And you know, I chose mum's as much as at the time I was pretty angry. I was just an angry young kid. You know, typical. Fights with the stepdad, like, you know, you're not my dad, but okay. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I knew I needed some sort of help getting through school, mm-hmm. like even just to do homework. You know, every, everyone else would come home to their homes with laptops and computers to do all their stuff, and I you know, kind of had nothing. So I was always asking, you know, hey, can we get a computer? Can we do this? Like, I need, you know, I need, I don't know how to do my homework. I don't understand these things. And, you know, my parents are beautiful people, but, you know, they didn't really have the knowledge or know how on even how to do that stuff, how to guide their kids. Yeah. Now, that's something I picked up on now back at the time. You know, I just, you know, you, you're kind of stuck. You think, you know, your parents know everything. They mm. get everything figured out. You can come to them with anything. And I noticed as I was at that age, you know, early on, I did notice that I'm not going to get much out of them. Yeah. You know, love them. They put a roof over my head. You know, very appreciative. It could be worse. You know, mm. that's something I always think about. You know, it's, it's always someone worse off. So for me, I just kind of buried that and I was like, well, this is what I got. This is what I got to work with, and let's just keep on keeping on from here. As much as it really sucked, you know, yeah. um, you know, trying to get that help and guidance, you know, just wasn't there. And then I look at my two brothers above me. You know, they just found the party life and the drugs and the bad crowds rocking okay. them and all that sort of stuff. And you know, for me, I got to see them and where they went and the path they cho- they chose. Um, wasn't for me, you know. I did try that stuff when I was younger. Um, got stuck into like those bad sort of crowds, people that weren't really going any well, definitely weren't going anywhere. Yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, I don't want that. Look at my older brother. My older brother's, you know, he, he didn't get sucked into that world. You know, he was always looked at himself as a bit classier, which you know is not a bad thing. You know, he didn't want to be about that sort of Rocco stigma back in the day where it was you know shit old and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I kind of looked for him. 
for guidance and, you know, kind of followed him when I was younger and becoming a teenager. It's, it's quite scary uh, when you reach your age, typically in the teens as well, when you realise that most adults don't have it under control as well. And yeah. you, and like you said before about uh, you can only get so much from your parents as well and yeah. uh, re- realising, yeah, that not everyone's got it figured out and, and yeah. it's up to you sometimes and eventually to – to, to, but it's 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 lucky as well to have that self awareness of what uh what needs to be done and yeah. what, what what you need to stay yeah. away from. It's very hard to navigate, isn't it? Yeah, I was actually, you know, I do carry a bit of respect for myself to actually pick up on that when I was younger. Mm. I kind of wasn't just that aspect; it was you know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, stuff like that can go either way, man. Yeah, so that's right. It's incredible and, to see yeah. how far you've come. You know, yeah, very. I guess I'm a little bit surprised considering the sort of crowds that I found myself around and some of the stuff that I've been exposed to. I'm kind of sitting there going, wow, like it wouldn't have been too hard to get stuck into that, mm. that rut because there are mm. some bad crowds down this way. And, could, you know, well, look, can, it could have taken one friendship, one relationship, one party to really sway that. That's it, man. Mm. That's it. But a little voice in the back of my head said, nah, you're better than that. Do something mm. else. Do something meaningful. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, sick. Leading through your schooling, uh, did you always want to become a career firefighter? Um, so again, when I was younger, like in the back of my head, I always knew I wanted to do something that carried meaning. You know, it had a purpose. Not, I always told myself, you know, I just can't settle for being Mediocre. a bricky, yeah. being a roofie, being you know, Sparky was the only thing that I actually wanted to do. Um, hey, it's not too late, mate. Because, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, so true. funny thing is, is that. You know, again, at a young age, I recognised, like, I don't want to be fucking melting metal together. I don't want to be pouring concrete. Like, none of that stuff just it did not. So, like, I know people do it, and, you know, we all need people to do that sort of stuff. But for me, personally, it just was not something that I was geared to. But my parents always told me, you know. You had a high trade, Get a trade. Go go work in mine and go do this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Money, money, money. But to me, I was like, no, nah, like, I want to something I'm else be in here. the army. You know, I want to be a copper. I want to be a fire. I want to mm. be an ambo, something like that. Did you do cadets? Uh, no, I did none of that. Yeah. None of that. So um, I do remember saying to my old girl, actually, like, you know, what about being a firefighter? This is back when I was in year 10, I think. And, you know, she just said, no, nah, like, you can't do that. You've got to be fit. You've got to be you know, strong. You've got to be real smart for that stuff. So I just naturally went, oh, okay. She well, actually said that to you. Yeah, yeah. Mum knows best. Like, parents know best. Okay, well, I can't do that. So that's just a, that's a dream. That's a, you know, it's not possible. That's just pipe dream you know what i mean it's just something that's not really going to happen so always looked at trades tried all the different trades fucking hated them all hated all of them finally got a sparky apprenticeship um, i think i rang 33 different mobs in one day when i was um at home because mum was just getting stuck in me you know get a job you know get out of the house mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff so i was like fuck it got out the book rang every single person hey you looking for you know apprentices you know what have i got to do all this sort of stuff Pretty much got nowhere with that, and then I found one with uh, one of Dad's old mates. I don't know if you know Doctor Sparks. He's a local guy. Pretty much got on board with him. Um, was looking all promising. Did some work experience. Signed the contract, all that sort of stuff. And then a couple couple weeks later, he asked me to go get a, an eye test and all that sort of stuff. And then I found out I was colour deficient in my eyes. No shit. Yeah. So like at the time, it was you know the. Look at um, colorblindness was you know if you're colorblind, you're blind like you you can't see colors. That was what people thought, but you know it's a deficiency and there's diff- different um, like severities and levels of it, different types. Okay, 
Yep. So back then it was very cutthroat. Yeah. I found that out and he goes, oh, look, sorry, man, but um, yeah, you can't actually do this apprenticeship because my insurance won't cover you, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, fuck me. Jesus. Oh, right, well, what's the next thing? What else can I do? And it wasn't exactly an easy process for you to build up that confidence to get to that stage yeah, as well. It was a long time ago now, looking over 10 years. and How did this come about? Were you, you know, fitting, off, <sighs> fitting off a GPO or something and he picked up something or – I can't actually remember. I just remember him coming up to me and asking me to to get it checked out. Mm. I think I might have known actually through school when we did the Sahara test. It was the book with all the numbers, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I just did that one day. And out of everyone in the class, I was the one that couldn't see some of the numbers, and I was like, oh, don't really know what that's about, but it's not good. And I might have mentioned it when I was working with one of the boys who's like a family friend of mine. Mm. I think, um, yeah, he heard me say, and he was like, oh. It's a bit odd and you must have told the boss and the boss has hit me up and gone, hey, like, you know, I might need you to get an eye test. Yeah, right. And, yeah, I did that and I was like, oh, fuck's sakes. Yeah. yeah fuck, so you, you, would have, you would have felt you were back to square one kind of. Yep, pretty much, man. And then back to the drawing board and thought, okay, well, where am I, what am I going to do from here? Mm. Uh, yeah, I knew I was coloured blind at the time. I was like, oh, fuck, like, that's going to stop me from doing heaps of stuff. Like that's shit because like everything I want to do, you know, you need, you need to have perfect eyes and all that sort of stuff, you know. Mm. Flying planes was one of them, and yeah, um, yeah. And the next stop after that was uh, Defence Force. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to yeah. be in the army. I yeah. want to be infantry. I want to hold the gun and go fucking shoot and shit." Yeah. So I went through that process, and that was you know another few months of going through that at a young age and doing all the testing and stuff. Um, same deal, you know. They take you through a bunch of different um, testing to see what jobs you can do. Mm. Same thing. Did the medical. Yep. Colorblind. Um, all right. Well. According to all your uh, your test scores, you know, you can do all these jobs, but because you're colourblind, we're only going to limit you to this many jobs. And then it was, you know, like being a cook, a storeman. Like, again, fuck that. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely more capable than that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, that was their testing at the time, and that's what Fuck. they said would go. And then, yeah, I remember that was a bit of a stuff around as well, because when they did my testing, they knew I was colour deficient in my eyes. But somewhere in amongst that medical process, they didn't actually put that down to start with. So I had selected three jobs that I could do with my test scores, like my theory and all the other stuff. But they forgot to actually cancel all them jobs out to start with. So I already went through the process of going for these other three jobs and made my way through to the interview. Um, And then, again, somewhere in that process, I've mentioned, oh, yeah, being colour deficient in my eyes. And the recruiter was looking at me and he goes, wait, hang on, like, you colour deficient? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, did the tests and stuff. And he was looking at the jobs and he was like, oh. Someone hasn't ticked the box. Yeah, something's not right here because I'm pretty sure with this job, like you can't actually do it if you're colour deficient. And I was like, oh, okay. No worries. And I just sat there and he took off and he was like, look, mate, I'll be back in a second. I've just got to go find something out. Anyway, he came back and he was like, yep. Um, sorry, mate, but don't know what happened here, but you actually can't do these jobs because you're colour deficient in your eyes. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just, you know, heart sank and I was yeah. just like, oh, I pretty much felt like crying. So I was like, well, yeah. fuck me. How old were you at this do? stage as well? This was 2013, 2013, yeah. So year, yeah, 2013, yeah. So I don't know how old I was then. Yeah, maybe I mean. just out of school or something. Yeah, I think it was 16, 16 something. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just out of school. Um, yeah. Yeah, so then... Round two, back to square one, and try again. I'll have to say, man, uh, I met you, I think it was at Smith's Fitness right around 2015, 
2016. Yeah. And I could acknowledge this fucking relentless drive you had. Uh, I think you were a TA for yeah, like as on a, uh, for a brickie or something back then. And I was yeah. like, dude, yep. this this guy can fucking work. Like, <laughs> whatever Try he's, anyway, he's going to do, like, I yeah. know he's going to do it. Take all my frustration out in the gym. Mm, and and I know uh, you've done a you've done a ton of volunteering as well to get into your fiery stuff. Yep. And uh, if you don't mind getting into that that uh, that process of finally making it yeah. into, into it as as a career. Yeah, so um, I guess stemming off uh, another unsuccessful tempered career path. Um, it wasn't long after that where when I was working between TA jobs, I was on the way back up from down south uh, with my partner at the time. And you know, again, I was just sitting there pondering like, what am I going to do with my fucking life? Like this is, like, I'm, everyone else is figuring it out. All my friends have got all their shit sorted. You know, they're already happy and got plenty of money and i'm sitting there thinking fuck me what am i gonna do and then i seen a fire truck roll past um, one of the highways lights and sirens pinging it down somewhere mm. and then i just thought oh maybe i'll try and be a fire maybe i will look into that maybe i'll just see what the goal is funny enough jumped on facebook later that day and i was just scrolling and then the local volunteer brigade at rockingham um rockingham volunteer fire and rescue they put up a post saying you know we're looking for for people to join and i thought oh bit of a coincidence you know maybe i'll um, flick them a message and see what the goal is so i flicked them a message um and they just basically said yep uh, come down we've got you know 30 40 50 other people coming down for like an info night so i went down and they just basically told us you know what um what's required what you do and just the insight of being a volley um and yeah and that from that point on i was like oh it's actually pretty interesting and at the time i thought volunteers just well it was pretty not really naive i thought oh yeah you just help out with the, the, the real firefighters, the career firefighters, you just go there and like help clean up the station or help clean up after jobs and stuff like that. But then I found out you actually you actually turn out, you actually are a firefighter, you do go to bushfires, you do go to road crash rescues, you do go to hazmat jobs, you do really? do it all. Um, however, you know, the training's structured a lot different, it's a lot shorter, a lot more condensed. Um, you know, you do get looked after really well simply because, you know, you are a volunteer, you are mm. putting your hands up, you know, you are yeah. doing it for nothing. So on DFAS's side, it's like, cool, we'll put you through everything. Yeah, like, thanks for helping out sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's where it kick-started in the, in the volunteer world, and that was back in 2015. Yeah. 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 Um, how, how did that lead to applying for the uh, 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 a career? Yeah, yep. career department. So pretty much from that point on, once I started turning out, found the love for it and I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And um, so from there, I just looked into the recruitment process for that. And as many people know, it is a very hard process simply because you got thousands of people that want to do it. And typically, there's only 48 spots a year that will come up. Um, and just for example, you know, uh, 24, yeah, 24 start of the year, 24 mid-year, you go through recruit school, you come out of fire and then away you go. How long does that take? Uh, so the recruitment process from the time you apply to the time they pick who they want, that's about five months. So there's about, I think, nine different stages. Again, it chops and changes every year. So you got that process to go through. And then if you're successful there, they will select their 48 people, whatever, uh, to do the recruit school and then the recruit school again is another i think 21 weeks so another five months so you're looking yeah. at about a year 
in total from the time you apply to the time you will graduate. Mm. Um, Have you pretty much got it once you hit recruit school? Or can things still kind of go sideways if you... They can definitely still go sideways. If you don't have the capabilities. Yeah, so your contract is only um, for that recruit, uh, for the school at the time, um, just pending you're successful Mm. at the school because obviously once you start training, going through all the... All those different things, you know, you can um, find yourself becoming unstuck. You know, a lot of people, you know, yeah, they're very capable, but they might fail at, you know, teamwork or mm. you know, they might actually go inside a burning building for training and actually shit themselves and it's like, yeah, oh, okay. Right. Yep. Now, they'll do everything they can to train you up and get you ready and to make sure you get over the line. That's how it's structured nowadays is mm. to really make sure, you know, we, we figure out how we can improve people, how, how can we make them – a better fire. How can we get them over the line? How can we make them a part of the team? You know, it's not so much about oh, you shit, you shit, you shit, get the fuck out. It's not you know, all yeah. that bastardization stuff's long gone. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all yeah. about you know helping people over. Yeah, yeah, nice. And uh, you know, this these kind of jobs would attract a certain type of bloke as well. Uh, usually, a guy that's got a bit of a grit, integrity, and you know, somewhat thinks they maybe you know a one of one as well and. I notice you saying about teamwork there. Do you find um, many come unstuck because they they're trying to take uh, too much control? Yeah. So, oh man, it's such a complex, um, I guess, it's a complex topic to talk about, especially mm. with uh, the way things are nowadays and diversity and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, and I did hear you say, you know, it takes a certain type of guy. So again, okay. this is where I've got to say, you know, yeah. it's. The job's open to, to anyone yeah. and everyone. You yep. can be whatever you want. You can be male, female, and everything mm. in between. Um, and then I guess when they take people in, they do take different types of people as well. So yeah. when they do all their te- testing, all the different um, aspects, you know, ones like, say, the psychometric side of things will kind of figure out what type of person you are, what category you fit in. So you get mm. like your – pretty sure there's like four types. I can't actually remember them all, but I know one's like alpha male – ones like the conservative type so i think they again i don't know if mm. like, and they but they'll need they'll need people from those different subgroups yeah. wouldn't they yep and then they basically put them all together and then you know kind of creates yeah. this you know kind of helps complement each person so yeah. whatever that person has is what this person doesn't and that's where they kind of you know you'll kind of build a team and you'll like start to build better people and mm. great fires and all that sort of stuff uh, but yeah it does you do need to tick a lot of different um, sides of things. You know, obviously teamwork is a key, yeah. key one of our values. So yeah, if you can't work in a team, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. You're no good in the job because you know you're surrounded by a team every day. You work with teams every day. Mm. You know, the brigade itself, like throughout the metropolitan area, we're all integrated. You know, we all do the same thing. We all just move around the place, and we should all be able to merge together. You should be able to go to one station and do exactly what you're doing Slotted. at another station. That's how it's all structured. It's all in unison. It's yeah. not all like separate. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, um, imagine it'd be, you'd be you get to know the people you're working with very well. It'd be very close knit, tight community. Yeah, and uh, do you feel? Uh, the culture is at a really good standard in terms of you know speaking to each other and looking out for each other because you guys are dealing with a lot of shit, yeah. under a lot of pressure. Yeah, you have to make split second decisions as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, every like yeah, everyone gets along well. The culture 
is shifting at the moment. It's going from a lot of the old school style where, you know, back in the day it's pretty typical for the, all the old boys to be like, you know, harden up, mm, you know. Man. Oh, yeah, you just scraped a dead body out of a car. Cool. Harden up. You'll be all right. See you tomorrow. Mm. So all that sort of culture is now – it's on its way out, you know, all that dead wood starting to go, all that old way of thinking starting to transition into the newer way, which is, you know, getting around each other, mm. supporting each other, like none of this acceptance. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. The mm. whole typical talking as um, cliche as it sounds, as we were saying before, like you got to get around each other. you got to gotta talk about it and, mm. you know, knowing your team and get along really well. You know, is and you'd be able to pick up uh, different... Uh, you know, when everyone's in a different mood, if, if you're noticing someone's a bit flat, yeah, 100%. someone's a bit flat yeah. or someone, you know, a, a bit up, uh, yeah. a bit higher than, than usual, that can actually be an indicator that yeah. someone might not be right yep. as well because there's so much cover-up yep. going on. So that kind of, I found myself in a little bit of a uh, position like that earlier on in the year. So uh, we went to a prang down Bunbury during the summer and um, you know, it had basically... I won't go into too many details, yeah, but yeah. you know, as a, a father and, a, and an infant passed away in, a, in an accident, and um, well, in an incident, sorry, and uh, yeah, so like seeing that sort of stuff, you know, typically, you know, it doesn't really get to me as much. But a lot of my mates are starting to have kids and starting mm. to have babies, and I think one of my my best mate um, actually just had a newborn at the time. And I found myself going to his to meet the newborn and it wasn't long after I'd actually been to that incident and then I was actually kind of holding uh, you know, his newborn and then I just started sweating and I started getting pretty hot and then I was like, yeah, my anxiety started going through the roof and then yeah. he looked at me and he was like, oh, like, shit, sorry. And then kind of took his kid and then he was like, fuck, I didn't, I didn't realise. And I was like, well, funny you say that, neither did I. Like, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty resilient to that sort of stuff but for some reason I found myself mm. a little bit triggered. And then I was, you know, a couple of weeks there, I was a bit, um, bit how you going. And, yeah. You know, I wasn't afraid to go see the psych and yep. in some sessions, you know, really good with that sort of stuff. The job, good. you know, get behind you. You know, we've got a wellness team that call you up, make sure you're mm. good, show you down the, the lines of, you know, seeing someone talking about it, even That's awesome. you know, proactively, not reactively as well. So yeah. even when you are doing fine, going in and speaking to yeah, someone. Yeah, man, but, for um, sure. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't realise I was, you know, having a bit of a tough time then to mm. actually – you know, went and seen someone like, yeah, okay, well, you know, there's a bit going on here and, you know, yep. you look back and reflect and work on it and then come out the other side and you're sweet and then goes back to your mm. team as well. You know, the guys that you work with, they're all very supportive. They picked up on it as well and they're not afraid to say it either. You know, my boss came up to me and said, yeah, look, we notice you're, you're not Sam. You're not the Sam that comes in whistling and singing a song as he walks through that door every day. You know, that's not there anymore. So we know something's up. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. There you go. Sometimes you just don't know. So. Starting out as as a as a freshie, did you you know when you get it uh, initiated and inducted into a new job, they're like, oh, here's the EAP, here's all these resources yeah, and campaigns, yep. and yep. Uh, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out to to anyone or this person or this service. Um, did you still feel quite reserved when you started? Because you know, I know uh, speaking uh, from from my experience, you you feel that. Say if you know you go to your supervisor or your chief or something, can you disclose some serious uh, concerns for your own well-being, your own mental health, and your own physical health? Mm-hmm. You know, automatically you think I'm not fit for work. Like I'm fucking worried that these guys are going to stand me down. Like, did you ever feel feel like that? Nah, not not in our job, man. That's nah, good, man. Everyone, like I said, we're 
really good at kind of getting around that sort of stuff mm. and you know we make sure that specifically doesn't happen yeah you know? like that's it, fucking really good to hear yeah, right? yeah and i'm not sure yeah. what it would have been like before my time but i knew coming into the job that you know you're well aware of what you're going to see and what mm. you're going to do everyone knows it all the guys above you have been through it they've seen it you know so that support is always there and everyone's open about it yeah. Um, you know, if someone feels like they can't talk about that sort of stuff in our job, I'll be very surprised. Be very, very surprised. Yeah. But again, everyone's different. Some people don't like talking about that stuff. Mm. Some people do. So I can't, I can't really mm. comment on what someone else's actions might be. But I know yeah, mine yeah. is to speak up, and yeah. yeah, there's definitely no issues on my end. You know, call it what you want. If I'm not feeling too good, I'll let you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes a lot of self awareness to get to that stage. Yeah, hundred well. percent. Do you? Did you have any mentors or you know? Uh, older guys or girls uh, that uh, you know looked up to through that you met through your um, you know through your volley service or through your work. Yeah, so when I was a volley, I pretty much you know would work alongside the career guys a lot. Um, pretty much all the guys from Rockingham First, which is the the career station. Okay, uh, I spent a lot of time with them at incidents over the year and or over the years. Sorry, and um, yeah, they were the guys I looked up to. That that was where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a career fiery at that station. That was like the goal. That was my aim. That's was, all I wanted. Um, so those guys, you know, they were beautiful people. You know, every job you went to, they always, you know, they'll come up to you, they'll support you, you know, ask you what you're thinking, see how you're traveling and guide you and they'll let you do things. You know, if we go to a job and it's a house fire and we rock up, you know, the volunteers rock up and, we're good to wear BA and they need someone else to go in, they'll happily say, Oh, do you guys want the wear? Do you want you know, do you want that experience? You know, we'll let you guys go in and we'll, we'll hang back. So mm. um just that natural sort of culture, um, brigade wide really, that's yeah, I've looked, always looked up to that and Yeah. Yeah, that's what's pretty much got me where I am now, I mm. guess. You know, that sort of them sort of people leading by example and showing us that side of things. So Yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys uh you know, see and deal with Hell of a lot of stuff that uh, people, you know, don't need to comprehend sometimes and yeah. can't even comprehend, right? Do you, has there been times, say, uh, post incident where you might have felt like you're experiencing like a secondary trauma uh, after? Uh, I'm not asking you obviously to go into any uh, specifics, yeah, but no, in that's, terms that's of a good question, yeah, um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so like I said, there's only been a couple of times where that's pretty much happened. Uh, mm. There was one recently. Uh, baby went to a house fire and it was, you know, it was it was a fatal. Okay. Uh, we ended up pulling out uh, a person, unconscious, unresponsive. Started on CPR straight away, and um, pretty much after that incident, again, you just find yourself like as a any sort of emergency service worker, you always find yourself. You know, we're pretty big on you know what do you do well, what do you. Would you not do well and mm. what'd you learn? All that sort of stuff. Through your debriefing. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So we're real big on that sort of stuff. And yeah. maybe and me, I'm an overthinker. I think pretty hard about shit. Um and I found myself really questioning, you know, how I did that job. You know, could mm. have I done that better? Should have I done that better? Um, did anything I do, you know, relate to this person, uh, passing away and all that sort of stuff. So I guess afterwards I went away just kind of Thinking about that sort of stuff, and when the missus was asking me about it, because you know she's my partner, and I'll kind of talk to her about anything. Yeah. You know, I even just talk as soon as I got to talk to someone about it, you know, I find myself, you know, obviously you're reliving that situation, you're going through it again in your head, and then you sit and think, yeah, oh, fuck, fuck. 
shit, shit, like, fuck, what do I do? What do I do wrong? And all that sort of yeah. crap. And then eventually you wake up and you're like, oh, hang on a minute. You know, you did what you could mm. at the time. That's what you're there for. You did what you're trained to do. You did everything by the book. Like, that's just how it is. That's fate. That's part of the job. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I guess, like, secondary trauma. You know, I think I came, my mum came in to see me not long after that. You know, this person was around the same age as my mum. And, you know, just seeing my mum, I was kind of got a bit emotional because I was mm. like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, same age as my mum. You know, there's absolutely no relevance there just bar the fact still that going through you know, head. yeah it was just an age thing i was like oh shit it's still there yeah um but yeah other than that now i'm like sweet it's yeah. good now which is which is good yeah and part of any uh part of your de- debrief process what other uh, mechanisms or controls do you does your workplace have to make sure you guys are looked after um so as we already said, like the, the EAP, so the Employee, uh, Employee Assistance Program, all that sort of stuff. We've got the different um, sites that we can go and see, which are really good. Yeah, um, they, all, they cover all that. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's good that's from good. a professional um, perspective. So mm. you tick that box. Um, and then as also what we touched on is within the brigade, within your team, like, you know, you know your team well. You know, everyone gets along. It is literally like what they say. You know, it is the whole brotherhood oh can't say brotherhood i mean i know he's saying uh, yeah whole family orientated yeah, thing yeah, so yeah we all understand the job we all understand it better than our own friends and family so mm. i guess from the reality point of view like what's actually going on the support from your work colleagues is you know that's probably paramount, paramount they're the yeah. ones that understand it the most um and then your everyday life you know you're talking to your family and your close friends about it as well so i think between them three you know there's a lot there that will help resolve any issues that you might have mm. that are lingering around in your head. Um, again, if it still is bothering people and they can't quite resolve it amongst them, sort of three key areas, mm. then, you know, that's obviously, you know, that's next level sort of yeah, trauma. That's, you know, that's proper PTSD sort of stuff mm. kicking in. And again, I haven't found myself in that position. And, you know, yeah. hope to never find myself in that position. But, you know, we always say everyone has a cup. You know, it's about building your capacity in that cup because at the end of the day, you're going to keep filling it up. Every time you go to a bad job, there's a little bit in that cup. and It goes up a little bit more. So you just got to learn how to to broaden that capacity and mm. to hold more and to, you know, manage oh, it. Ho- so. Hold and release as well, though. Yeah, that's right, man. You just don't want to be filling it up too quick and that bastard tipping over. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I've heard of people going through that sort of stuff, but you know, directly personally, I don't, yeah, I don't really know. So I don't know what's there, how they're dealing with that, what their coping mechanisms are. I know for me, you know, that professional help, the work colleague help, and then your close friends and family help. Like between them three, you, you know, it's great support there. Mm. So. No, it's a solid system if, if everyone can uh, can uh, experience that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Does a does your department uh, give you guys training and exposure to a lot of that uh, cultural and diversity elements as well? Yeah, man. Yep, yep. It's going through school, um, and they're, it's pretty. They're big on that from the get go. You know, especially mm. from recruitment. You know, the department definitely doesn't shy away from you know letting the people know that this is like a, a diverse working group. Like yeah. we're paid by the people. We're a government department. Like where we accept everyone from all walks. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're male, female, mm. 
where you're from, you know, what your orientation is. Like at the end of the day, this is a job for everyone, you know, like and that's that's the way it is nowadays and um, that, and that's how it should be, you know. At the end of the day, anyone should be able to do it, you know, and you should be able to do the job pending you can successfully go through that recruitment process and complete the school. Um, yeah, but yeah. they harp on about it, man. You jump on that website and go to, to you know, learn more about DFES and they'll let you know all about it. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. In 2020, you were part of WA's army of firefighters that flew over to New South Wales. Are you able to tell uh, us yep. more about that and how that came about? Yeah, so at that time I was a volley, uh, volunteer, sorry. Um, <clears throat> again, so within DFest, you know, whenever there's major incidents like that, you know, interstate or... Um, you These know, were the Black Summer Yeah, uh, Yeah, Black Summer come up with different names all these oh, okay. major fires but yeah yeah obviously that's that what it was time, called anyway yeah yeah, yeah. so that yeah. time was pretty significant um they absolutely got pelted over there mm. um so as you know emergency services do we put together you know strike teams to to fly over and to help out these other states when these sorts of things happen vice versa um so i was part of strike team papa so pretty much if you just follow the phonetic alphabet we had sent through that many teams yeah through gotcha. the think oscar or something like that mm. um and yeah so they send over four groups of I don't know, 15 20 people different ranks and different yep. backgrounds and uh basically Was, you go just over put your there. hand up for that basically yeah yeah so you mm. fill it all out online do yeah, these okay. forms and basically when the time comes if they need people they'll put out that um expression of interest and then you put your hand up and say yeah i'm keen mm. and they'll put together the teams and make sure they get the right amount of people the right types of people and um, fly you over, and pretty much once you get over there, you know it's usually the the local agency will be the one that supplies you with the vehicles, and you probably um, hit the deck running as well, eh? Pardon? You probably hit the deck running as well. Like there's plenty, uh, plenty, plenty to do straight away, or yes and no. So yeah, there is a hurry to get out there, but these fires are that big, man. Like it was put it this way: by the time we got to a control point, so flew in New South Wales, flew out to I think Albury, which is I don't know, a couple of hours inland. We got there, had to drive to the control point and get given our task and all that sort of stuff. And basically, because it was that much going on, it was that big, yeah, not even the control point. They like The IMT there didn't even really know what the fuck was going on. Because what is was, a control point? So pretty much where everyone will gather, the IMT will see the incident management team and that's where like the main point is for this incident. So for the bushfires where we're attending, they've got a control point where everyone will gather mm. and that's where you get given your tasking. That's where all the all the brains of the the incident will be managed from okay. that point on, yep. um, and then from there we'll get relayed to say the state operations center. So that's you know the the area that looks after the state. Um, so it's just like a bit of like a branch sort okay. of system. Sure. Um, so yeah, we went there and they just basically gave us a map and said, "Look, this is where we think the fire is. Um, this is where it's going to impact. Uh, we just need you to get down there and let us know what's going on because we don't know what's going on." Um, so yeah, we went out for drove for about an hour around the fire, got to where we were supposed to be going, and the fire had already ripped through where they wanted us to go, and it was already twenty kilometers to the east. Fucking and I was hell. like, all right. How, how fast do these fires move? Oh mate, that's it. All there's so many different variables that go into it, man. Like weather, vegetation, time of year, all that sort of stuff. Um, like your typical grass fires are going to be moving pretty fast because you know the open plains, paddocks, long grass, especially if it's in the north of summer, hundred percent cured, middle of a you know thirty eight forty degree day, relative humidity is down, 
get a nice wind it. behind it, it's just going to run. Like, it's going to go fucking fast. Like, faster than you can pretty much drive up next to it and try and put it out. Like, you'll just be going in front of it, which is what we typically do. When a fire gets above, like, a certain sort of threshold or, you know, if they want to get specific, they talk about kilowatts and power output oh, okay. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I right. don't understand that fully, yeah. but basically... It's not hard to look at it and go, yeah, you're, not, you're either going to get it or you're not. And once you're not going to get it, you just got to get in front of it, protect lives and property, and then mm. go from there and try and suppress it as best you can. And that's mm. I mean, that's all you can do. Um, so How long were you over there for? Ooh, eight days. Eight days was the, uh, the each strike team that went over. That's how long you would spend there. I think that's like the max you can do. Mm. Um, okay. And they yeah, send you back home and just rotate people through. Yeah. 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 It's quite a good opportunity for people eh, to... Yeah, get into no, stuff was, like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was good for me, especially that was uh, the summer just before I got into the job as well. You know, and I met some really great um, staff over there for DFS. A lot of um, great guys who you know definitely got along well with, and you know definitely inspired me to definitely give it a good crack and make sure that I keep doing what I'm doing to mm. try and get into the job. And some of the guys even said to me, you know, like I'll, I'll see you soon. I will see you soon. Yeah. Yep, no worries. That's my motivation right there. Nice. Surely enough, applied three months later and got in that school. So I was yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. stoked, man. Good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And did you get, please correct me if I'm wrong, did you get knocked back? That is the first application? Yeah. So that was my second time. First time I got knocked back. Um, again, the process is like you really got to tick all the boxes. You know, you miss one box, you're out. Like they're looking for excuses to get rid of people because mm. they need to. Like they can't let mm. everyone through. Everyone's capable, cool, but yeah. there's only this many spots. So. Well, it goes back to if something happens on the job, they're going to pull up your records and go, oh, there's a discrepancy here. Why yeah. was he there in the first place? Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they consolidate that stuff pretty well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I got knocked back. Uh, I'm almost certain the reason I got knocked back was I went to sit down to do the speed dating interview and one of the guys who was an instructor in my school you know, stood up and I was like, oh, hey, mate, how you going? Now, to the normal person, you might think, oh, yeah, like, hey, mate, it's a pretty normal, you know, thing you'd say to someone. But from a professional, you know, point of view, like, they're not your mate. They're not your mate yet. You know what I mean? So there's like a, like, yeah... They, 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 want a, they want a very solid line drawn between. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't just go walk around the school and go, oh, hey, mate, how are you? You know, you got to mm. that discipline and uh, rank structure as well. You know, you wouldn't about to go say, calling your senior officer. You've got to address, hey, mate, it's, address yeah. the rank. Yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, so, well, it sounds like you don't get much feedback then if you fail. So I think they do. I never asked for it because I was pretty oh, okay. set on the fact that as soon as I said, hey, mate, he oh, just went, yeah. nope. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I, again, I don't have that factual yeah, information yeah, yeah. there, but oh. it's... Well, it's not, yeah, it's usually a hunch, eh? Like, yeah, within, within the job, like once you start to figure it out, you, okay. you start to figure out why and what mm. they look for, you know. Um, you know, people rocking up with beards and boots and stuff. It's like, come on, mate, how much do you want the job? Yeah. Uh, put you, Put your best foot forward and you know, yeah. be professional and mm. show them how much you want it. Be better than the rest. You know, that's yeah. how you got to kind of look at it because yeah. like they, they got to call people. So yeah. you know, who are you going to take? The guy that's like, oh, yeah. hey, mate, real, real blase or someone that's like, uh, afternoon, sir, how are you? Mm. Like, you know, saying a bit more, a bit more professional. Yeah, professional and yeah. courteous, yeah. yeah. Fine lines. Yeah, for sure. Fine lines. How did you get into the gym? Ah, so the gym. So for me, um, I was born with Poland syndrome. 
So I've actually got uh, deformity. So I'm born with my right mid and lower pectoral pectoral muscle missing. Um, and then along with that syndrome, half my body on one side is bigger than the other by about, well, I'll show you my hands, for example. So it's good, right. you know, a centimetre and a half okay. on one side. That's small. And that goes through everything, you know, the skull, rib cage, legs, hip, all that sort of stuff. And the big ones, the lower back, you know, it's mm. a bit wonky as well. So growing up with that, um, found myself, you know, just you know, not feeling too great, you know, both with appearance and with strength and how my body held up just going through life, having that little difference. So I thought, okay, I need to get stronger. And I want to look better as well. You know, as a young bloke, you know, it's pretty normal for people nowadays with social media and, you know, just being a kid growing up, you know, image is a big thing. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to look that part. Everyone wants to look like that. That, you know, that fit man. It's a lot of pressure you know? on yeah, that's right. guys and girls yep. to look a certain way. So originally for me, it was just the typical, you know, you've got to get in the gym and get muscles. Mm. You know, everyone likes muscles, got to do that. You know, my oldest brother's going to the gym, he's getting muscles. Yeah, got to go and get muscles as well. Um, so, you know, I just started with that sort of stuff again. What so, age were you when you when your pollen syndrome really affected you? Or st- when, when you started uh, to notice it did? So it was noticeable when I was a kid, but then once I became a teenager and you know started getting out a bit more, mm. you know, go on the beach, get your top off, bang, there it is. It's like, oh, okay, okay it's affecting my, you know, my my mental side of things because I don't look normal, mm. what I thought was normal. Yeah, you know, at the time it's like, oh, I look like a freak, you know. And people would see, you, and at that age, people are ruthless, man. They see that and they're like, ugh, and you're like, oh. Fuck, no worries. Kids are fucking horrible little creatures. <laughs> oh, they're eh? ruthless. They're like, yeah, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I was born like this, you cunt. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, and then I guess the, the physical side where it started to affect me was just, again, going through work and finding where I'm weaker mm. and then little discrepancies where you know, it starts to give you a bit of grief and some niggles. And then as I started to go through the gym and learn a bit more about strength and conditioning, when I went to AJ's, I really wanted to get my lower body strong because mm. it was weak and all okay. that sort of stuff. And I just wanted to get everything even. Yeah. And so did you start off focusing more on upper body when you when you started at the gym or? Um, yeah, still still did everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, obviously in the missing pec, you know, I was like, fuck, well, I can't have a good chest. I want a good back or something. Mm. So you know, I do a lot of back stuff. Mm. Um, and then when I started getting into performance side of things and wanting to actually, you know, say CrossFit and all that yeah. sort of stuff, you know, you need to uh, you need to change your outlook a bit there. It's not so much about how good your muscles look. It came about, you know, how well can I perform and how well can I learn mm. these new movements. And then that in itself was causing me issues because of my, you know, my difference in one side of my body that would affect, you know, your how you would perform under fatigue. Yeah. So, and that's where you started to get injuries from that and yeah. then it's just like this little little bit Snowball of a cycle of, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a cycle there so so you find yourself chasing niggles round and round oh a little bit mate so my lower back's the biggest one you know i tried to do deadlifts back in 2015 before i knew anything about them it's working away doing concreting had a fuck back to start with thought oh yeah let's try and deadlift 100 kilos and i was 18 at the time never done it in my life mm. i had the shittest form you could ever see it was just literally a wet spaghetti yeah and funny enough, at the time, did my back, didn't realise what I'd actually done. It looked like a croissant trying oh. to pull this bar up. <laughs> yeah, literally, man. It was shit house, And then that's when I experienced my first ever back pain. And then it turns out that I'd torn a couple of discs. And, Jesus. Um, got some scans. And you know, with my condition, my lower back, my lumbar section is actually 
on the piss. Okay. You know, if you get, get some straight lines, so yeah. you can just see it's a bit wonky. It's just like mild scoliosis. Um, and that with the different length, like limbs and stuff, you, know, you can really feel it when you're starting to work out. So, yeah. you know, again, getting into CrossFit, you never know, people can sit there and say, oh, you know, it's not good for you, blah, 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 blah. Well, it can be good for you if you mm. learn the mental side of things and learn how to discipline yourself and be patient and chase little wins and gains. But the biggest thing is the egos. Mm. And I'm bad for it. My ego will tell me, Fuck it, PB. You feel like shit, your back's sore, but you know what? Let's go for a PB clean anyway. And you do it, fuck yourself. You're like, oh, cool, back to square one. Mm. Then you recover, and then it's the same process. Like, oh, I'll, I'll admit it, I'm bad. My ego is shocking in the gym. I've, I'm an idiot. I've just come off six weeks like, of barely any training from straining my back again. Yeah, for, right. Probably 10th time since 2015. Oh, frustrating yeah, it's, process it's my, for it's, you. Yeah, it's my own fault, but yeah. ah, well, life's short. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. And uh, did you find yourself getting confidence through your performance or your body? Like what came first? Because I know if you're performing well, your body's going to come with it and you're going to look fucking decent anyway. But it takes a lot for someone to get to that stage and to actually yeah. acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, um, for, for example, CrossFit has got fucking amazing traps, right? Because <laughs> I just fucking – they'll pull in 90% uh, of the I time. Mean, this is probably an over there. She's going to hate me for it. That's my missus. She's she's got uh, exceptional traps. She's yeah. Uh, she got a good physique. I'll get a, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get it up after. Yeah. I'll like that. Save save them. Yeah, she's gonna hate me. But yeah, they they seem to. And, uh, mm. yeah, I, don't know. I think just CrossFit gives you a fucking good rig to start with anyway. Yeah, so yeah. You're doing that much load and that much volume. Mm. Like yeah. But something's got to gain. So to clarify, did you feel better about looking good or the performances? Which came first? Uh, definitely the performance, mm. and then once I start performing well. And I started actually ticking stuff off. Then the rig followed, mm. and then on top of that was you know a bit of good dieting. Self-declared well. rig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, at the end of the day, man. Like, I grew I'm up. I'm just pulling your leg, mate. Yeah, no, nah, I grew up like the most insecure. Well, I still got insecurities now, but I grew up the most insecure kid because of my condition, mm. and I, I never got that growing up. I never had that confidence. Have never, you ever met anyone else with it? Uh, no, not in person. Online, shitloads of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the way I look at it, you know, some people can say, you know, this person's arrogant or whatever. But you know, I grew up not having that in life. I, I grew up not having a lot of close friends. You know, um, I didn't get to be that, you know, that cool kid, that hot kid. You know, any of that sort of stuff. You know, I had no confidence in that area. I didn't get my mm. confidence until I was fucking twenty three years old. Yeah, and I never ran, went around and hooked up with people when I was younger. You know, like I never did that stuff because I had no confidence. I couldn't even talk to a girl. Mm. You know, you could ask some of my close friends, mate. My game was shit. I would shit my pants, man. Like, I was shocking. Um, and once I started to not actually give a fuck, yeah, that's I actually it. started performing and doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, that kind of got me over the line and mm. you know, starting to perform and starting to get a, a healthy rig. And, you know, I was in my dream job. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making up for lost time, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I will carry myself with a lot of confidence. You know, I am a confident person you now and I will hold that high. Yeah. You know, I never, I never got that when I was a kid. So for me, it's like, you know what, like now, now's my time. Yeah, so fuck yeah. I'm gonna make the most of it because mm. one day it's not gonna be here. So. <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah, one day you can be here, one day you can't be. So you might That's as well it. fucking it enjoy, man. Live it up. Fuck what sure. people think. Yeah, and uh, what is it's quite a healthy community in terms of uh, other other people online that are experienced the same syndrome and being brought yeah. up with that. Um, so for the first what time, kind of resources helped you along the way there. 
So resources again, just social media. So I this year actually it was the year that I finally, you know, in the back of my head I was always like, I want to show people what I've got, like my my syndrome and like I should be able to take my shirt off, I should be able to post stuff and be confident because that was I just know what place you're talking about, Ben. Yeah, and that's it, right. I think it fucking yeah. it hundred percent would have connected with a lot of people. Yeah, and that and whether you whether you have that uh, pollen syndrome or not, man. Yeah, everyone's got their own fucking. Yeah. 100%, man. It can be anything. You know what? You might not have that condition, but you might just lack that confidence regardless, you know? Mm. And, yeah, I did get a lot of people actually respond to that, people that I didn't met, you know, managed to make it on the feed. that I'll explore feed. page and stuff. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. Um, you know, I still get people now. I had someone the other week actually hit me up with the same condition. Like I've had a few now with that condition that have said, like, left me big paragraphs wow. saying, you know, like just – acknowledging it and saying, you know, thank you for posting that. Like, you know, I'm the same. I had the mm. same issues growing up. You know, I had that social anxiety. I lacked that confidence. I'm too scared to post stuff because nowadays everyone's looking at everyone mm. on these things and it's... But no one really gives a fuck, man, what you're doing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you sit there you know and think I mean? that... But oh, that, everyone's that fear of judgment it. prevents us from posting and all that that's bullshit, right. yeah. you know what I mean? 100%. No so, one really cares. Yeah, that's right. And, and, fight, and, a, so. and I say that in a you know constructive, positive yeah, way, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Because we worry too much about mm. what people think of us. And it's either you think that, and then you got to realize exactly what you just said. That at the end of the day, there's not many people. Mm. No one's really going to be sitting there going, "Oh, Sam Napa. Oh, fuck, he's doing this." He's, mate, like you said, no one gives a fuck. So and that's where like that mental side of things for us on social media kind of needs to change, and mm. that awareness, like you're saying right now, is going a long way. Um, Do you still suffer from anxiety? Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, 100%, man. Mainly social anxiety. Okay. I even just going out. Like, you know, I love going out, having a good time with my close friends. But mm. when it comes to, you know, new crowds and being out and about, man, I'm just like, like my yeah. brain goes wild. Like, fucking run. Yeah, pretty much, man. Like, like I usually just need to go either start smashing back piss and getting <laughs> hell maggot really quick or, yeah, just leave. Mm. the old Houdini. But um, yeah. Yeah, when I'm around my close friends and people that know me, I'm pretty sweet. But yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah. pretty typical for a lot of people, though. Yeah, for sure, man. And I've, I've definitely experienced that as well, man. Um, honestly, through my early mid to even mid-20s, man, like I used to fucking hate going to the shops, man. <laughs> it's so stupid. You know, like, yeah. I'm, you know, you want to get in, get out. And, uh, you know, my partner at the time, you know, she, she thought, fuck, this guy doesn't want to be seen with me. <laughs> but it actually had nothing to do with her, right? Yeah. I just didn't want to fucking be around yeah, people, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah. At that, at that uh, hindsight, realizing that I did actually have anxiety, yeah. And I was like, always looked at it, at it like, okay, I know what it is. No, I don't have it. And it's like looking back, yeah, yep. mate, you, you fucking did. I'm hearing you, mate. Yeah, I didn't realize that until. Uh, you know, see, seems you know you feel you feel silly, but it's completely normal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, the other day I was with the missus at the shops buying food, and I just sit there and I just start getting cranky. So I'm like, no, I need to get the fuck get me out, out of here. Too many people. It's Christmas time. It's fucking oh, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's, yeah, and it is the like worst time of the year for that shit. In this one aisle, and I'm just like, oh, get me out of here. Mm. Get me the fuck out of here. What's uh, what's some things that you do part of your self care routine? To, to keep keep things up to date and so the big one up. is the gym mm. like the gym is always a big one and again i think that relates to a lot of people as well you know getting in and doing some hard work definitely helps with the mental health um another one is sleep mm. sleeping is again underrated and it's uh, it's nothing that we don't know like we're all yeah. aware of it but whether we follow it's another story um 
the diet as well. And as soon as I start eating clean, get off the takeaway. Like, you know, I still love Smash Mac, a few cheeseburgers here and there. Yeah. Um, eating well, sleeping well, and training like that does wonders for your mental health. Mm. Um, but if I go off the topic of that typical stuff, you know, simple things like going on the beach, like. Uh, early in the year when I was having my episodes, going down to the beach in the morning, getting that sunset, going for that cold plunge, man, that was bang, mm. sets me off on like a you know good start to the day. Yeah, um, like because yeah. that you do you see that as that that will be the hardest part of your day, and you've already fucking <laughs> knocked, you've already knocked it over. Yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> to an extent, yeah. yeah, it depends how you look at it. So yeah, well, I was just thinking within yeah. your career, it's kind of different, um, yeah. but. It, it, it must definitely set you up yeah, for, for a good yeah. fr- frame of mind. 100%. I don't know. I think there's a bit of science behind the whole cold plunge. Yeah. Sort of stuff. I haven't I, looked too much know. into it. I believe it though. Yeah. Like, I do. I do it and I'm like, fuck, I feel good. You know, when you get out of yeah. the water and you're like, like that sucked, but I loved it and you feel good. You can't yeah. tell me anyone that does that goes and Will they not the feel time. better yeah, afterwards. Yeah, they get out yeah. and everyone's saying the same thing. Like, fuck, that was sick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's not, there's nothing complex about my personal routine that's that's pretty much it for me hey mm. that keeps me pretty much solid um with the talking side of stuff you know i don't really talk to my friends too much about it because again fuck, they don't they're not going to understand so that's mm. where i keep that talk to my to my workmates and keep that chat in house or yeah. with my partner or yeah something like that and um, it shows the importance of a patient understanding partner as well yeah 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 so i'm lucky my partner's um uh she's a paramedic as well okay so she does that on the side so it's good like we kind of think the same as well mm. which is another good aspect to it um so that alone like she just she gets it she understands yeah. so big time um some of the stuff time. she's had to work through just in her short short time of being a paramedic for for a mob doing a lot of work in mental health mm. um like yeah some of her stories have been pretty pretty gnarly and i'm like oh but yeah. at least we can relate. You yeah, know what I mean, like that's that's couldn't get it any yeah. better than that. And I've had partners in the past, so just like, huh? Yeah. So it's like, oh, well. yeah. Do you, yeah. You, you felt have that. you felt like in the past where uh, you're not getting you know that, that healthy validation you need because they don't understand what you're going through. Yeah, they can't. Ex- yeah, you know, they haven't experienced yeah. and that's experienced just with the, friends as well and family. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of times where you know you go out and you. You know, just come off a shit job, shit night, shit day, whatever, and you're like you're just sitting there thinking about it, but you can't vent or talk to anyone about it around you because they're just not going to get it. Like you, you couldn't. Mm. You a lot of people aren't equipped there, as well really. to to talk. It's hard, man. Yeah, it's hard. Hundred percent. And it's it's funny because as soon as someone starts talking about it to you, you start ranting, and they're just like, mm. they don't know how to relate either because they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, that's it. Okay. It's it's very common for people to shut down when they don't know how to respond as well. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. that's kind of a good thing because the res- the response you get from them may not be a good one as well. Yeah, that's right because they and just then, don't know. They don't know yeah. how to, to uh, But it's, it's coming from a place of you know misinformation or not yeah. being educated on the subject yeah. and it's, it's, it's good uh, that, uh, you know, as individuals we can acknowledge who we need to go to and when yeah. as well yeah. to, to keep on top of things. I know, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a psychologist myself as well and like been in therapy and it's definitely a tool. It's just a tool in the toolkit. Yep. And hundred percent, you know what 100%. I mean? And if I ever felt the need to, to go in for a, for a tune up, just like you, you know, take your car for a service or whatever, like I'll use that service. You know yep. what I mean? And, 100%. and at the end of the day, you can't, um, if you don't stay on top of these things, man, they'll fucking blow up and other behaviors. 100%. As well. And 
you see it happen. I'll be sitting there watching it. fucking Blade Runner 49 on net on Netflix or something for the fifth time. I've just ordered two fucking Domino's pizzas and sucking down a pie of like uh, Ben and Jerry's, man. I'm like, and afterwards I'm like, okay, no, nah, it's not about that instant gratification. There's something deeper here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So having that self-awareness and acknowledging some things may not be so healthy, you know, you need to give yourself a good G up and yeah, get it, get it under control. Yep. But uh, what, what would be some advice that you'd give to someone who's, who wants to get into uh, any kind of emergency response or, or service department? <sighs> Biggest bit of advice. Um, I think if you're going to do it, you've got to give it a hundred percent, give it a hundred percent. Don't, you know, you're never really going to know how you're going to go in that situation until you're actually in a try. So you can sit there and go, oh, well, what if this and what if that? But at the end of the day, you just need to do it. You need to give it 100%. So and what I mean by that is not just giving, you know, a recruitment process 100%. It's look into it 100% as well. Don't just be half-assed about it. You know, understand what the job is or what sort of um, – what area you're going to go into. So I'll just use mine, for example. If you want to be a fiery – Look into what a fire is. Look into what the service is in WA. Like who looks after? What do they do? What do they cover? All right, and then look into the role. What do you do in that specific role? Like understand what you're doing before you apply. Don't be that dickhead that goes, "Oh, I might just do it because I'll just give it a crack and see how I go." Mm. And the amount of times people say that, and it fucking infuriates me because not only are you wasting your own time, but you're wasting our time, time as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people doing the recruitment process of fires as well. And like we want people that want to be here. Mm. We don't fucking okay. I shouldn't say we because I get in trouble for speaking on behalf. But yeah, that's yeah. not what I'm doing. I'm yeah. speaking from your experience. From, yeah, personally, I'm speaking. Mm. So your opinion. Um, yeah, if you're gonna do it, know that you want to do it and give it a fucking red hot crack. Don't yeah. waste our fucking time. Yeah, right, simple as that. So, um, yeah, like do your research, understand mm. it, and think to yourself like. Do I want to be fighting bushfires during the summer and working them hours? Do I want to be going into road crash rescues knowing that you know, people do do pass away, people do die? You know, it's not that's not the only time you will see you know dead people. You, know, you might go to suicides, another common one. You know, you do deal with that shit, and you are going to see that stuff. So it's like you know, if you naturally think, oh no, nah, I don't want to see that shit, well then cool. You know, that's probably not the area for to go you. down you know what I mean mm. but if you're curious and you want to give it a crack and you love helping people then mate give it 100% and we'll see you on the other side yeah so yeah, that's no, that's sick, man. give it 100% for sure well, thanks so much for coming in today man I really appreciate it all good man Again. happy to be here happy to talk a bit of shit yeah hope you got something out of it and I hope anyone listening, uh, listening gets something out of it as well I'm so. sure they will man if you can if you want to find me Andre I'm at Instagram at the perfect man podcast and Sam please let our listeners know uh, where they can find you or if you want to plug anything um, yeah you can just find me on Instagram just Sam Napa one word S-A-M-N-A-P-A um, nothing special there but that's basically all I use anyway so yeah. if you want to contact me contact me on that all good thanks bro <laughs> thanks